Learn how to build a better sign and print shop from a few crusty sign guys who've made more mistakes than they care to admit. Conversations and advice on pricing, sales, marketing, workflow, growth, and more. You're listening to the Better Sign Shop Podcast with your hosts, Peter Kurunis, Michael Riley, and Bryant Gillespie. Before we jump into the episode, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsor, GCI Digital Printing, grand format printer to the trade. GCI is not your average print shop. They pride themselves on providing you a fast, stress-free experience when outsourcing. Their no excuses mindset means no matter the job, they'll have it done every time. No other vendor will go to the links that GCI does to ensure you're a satisfied customer. To hear more about their approach to business, hop back into the archives to episode nine, where the guys and I interview owner TJ Bedact about top tier customer experience. If you're looking for a high quality trade printer for banners, mesh, coreplast, and more, TJ and his crew will have your back. For jobs big or small, GCI does them all. Check them out at printgci.com. Hi. Welcome back to another edition of the Better Sign Shop podcast. As always, well, not as always. Today I'm flying solo. Bryant here. Uh, I've got an extra special guest. Is somebody that I have looked up to for a long time in the industry. I used to read every article that the guest today published. Uh, his work has always been um, very inspirational for me. So really excited to chat with our guest, Mr. Dan Sawatsky of Imagination Corporation. Uh, this should be a great conversation. Uh, I hate that Peter and Michael are not here, but uh, what to do? They're just going to miss out on the fun. So without further ado, our extra special guest, Mr. Dan Sawatsky from Imagination Corporation. All right, guys, we are joined by our extra special guest and hero of mine and Peter's. Uh, Michael, I don't know where you're at, man, but you're missing out. We've got Mr. Dan Sawatsky, <laughs> legend in the sign industry. I'm super excited to have you on, Dan. I, I don't, really don't think you need an introduction here, but uh, I just wanted to say it's been very inspirational for me over the years, reading all of your magazine articles, looking at your work, studying it. Uh, so it's really a treat to have you on to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. So for, I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of listeners out there that know who you are, Dan, that know your work, that have seen your work. But for those of our listeners that don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your business and your background? Okay. Uh, I've been in the sign business uh, practically forever. I started at age 14. I lived in a very small town and my brother entered a competition to paint windows uh, for for an event, and he won $15. This was back in the late 60s. $15 was a fortune, something that took my dad um, a better part of a day to earn, and uh, we could do it in an hour. So it was like, holy cow, this oh, wow. is a cool business. So I was 14 years old. I got my mom's Christmas cards, and I made up a sample book. And I hitchhiked to town because I was too young to drive and uh, sold uh, windows. And that first year, I made 600 bucks after school. So, well, it's still a grade 10. And it was, uh, I couldn't think of a better way to make a living than, than do that. So, so at, at 14, he's, 14, that's amazing. Yeah. And it pulled it off again the next year and made double that or triple that. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. And then I started a sign shop still in high school, uh, made horrible signs and uh, really horrible. Um, and right from the start, I wasn't satisfied with, I mean, I, I did my first truck and the second door on the truck absolutely bored me. Um, so I was determined not to be that sign writer, but instead do creative stuff. So, I mean, 
Uh, MDO comes in four by eight sheets, but you don't have to sell it that way. They they make jigsaws to fix that. So right. we were cutting right. our stuff out and layering it right from the very start. And that's all we've sold is I've never sold or sold very, very few ordinary signs uh, or that term ordinary. And yeah, I don't always, think I've ever seen anything that you've done that ordinary. And that's, no, I mean, I mean, I asked when I did my workshops, I asked people, what percentage of your work would you be happy to see in a trade magazine or enter into a competition? And most people are happy with 2%, 5%, which boggles my mind. It's like, why can't it be 95%? Because you can't hit 100, but you can do pretty close. So yeah. that's what we we did that from the start. And people say, oh, that's cool. You can say no to to ordinary stuff now but i've always said no to ordinary stuff and you know i mean you asked dan and nelly what do you do if a customer comes to you with a horrible idea that his nephew drew uh, and my solution is is uh try and ex explain that, that that's not going to work for them try and sell them something better and if if they won't go don't do it walk away because tomorrow you're known for what exactly what you do today so I don't want to be the bottom feeder. I want to be the top cutting edge. Yeah, that makes sense. So mm -hmm. you in high school, you started your shop. You said you made some horrible signs. Like what was, what was, do you, any of those projects stick out to you? Like what was, what was the I, horrible sign that you're like, okay, like this is not where we want to be. Like, this is actually what we want to do. Well, I mean, everything was hand drawn in those days. And I mean, I was broke. Uh, I had no money, you know, like every kid. And and the, you know, the layouts weren't that good. The brushwork was horrible. They were always done in a hurry because I was always in a hurry, and uh, the signs reflected that. But but as, as I you know, we try and raise the bar with every single project. So it, when you do that, your signs get much better in a real big hurry. Uh, was there was there any like particular project when you were first starting out that was like okay like we've raised the bar here and and like what that it does it, are there any that stick out to you when you first got started that were like hey we've taken a big leap here and, and what that project was like well every single project uh i mean you become known for as a creative problem solver and so every project quickly becomes out of your reach i mean every project even to this day we bid project not having a clue how we're going to pull it off, um, <laughs> but we always do. We don't always make money, but we always pull it off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the curse of the sign maker, right? Yeah, we could do that. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it used to be the sign shop is what that's where you went if you wanted something creative, if you wanted a parade float, if you wanted you know something unusual to make your business stand out. You go see your local sign guy. Now you go for a vinyl sign that everybody else does, which is sad. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, so, like, tell us about Imagination Corporation today. Like, what, is the, what does the business look like today versus back when you first started? I mean, Imagination Corporation started out very small. It was just my wife and I. She helped out, and we would do stuff. My son, Peter, worked with me since he was little. I mean, Imagination Corporation, my journey has been... Uh, very in a big circle. It's it. I started out doing window splashes, went to fine art. Um, I worked with some 40 galleries and stuff. From there, I went in, always doing signs on the side at least, mm -hmm. uh, and then went into historical murals. So I've done 125 all across Canada and U.S. And then I discovered, uh, as as my quest to do wilder things, the theme park industry has been a huge part of our our repertoire and the tourism industry because you can sell more creative work there most often i haven't sold work in my own town like you know people say to me oh i could never sell work like you make in my town well i can <laughs> you know and and why do they bypass you to phone me and i'm a thousand miles away is because that's what i'm known for and I think more people could do the creative stuff if they if they just put their heart into it. Start with your own sign. Your your the every sign shop should have an award winning sign out front. You know the best they can do, even if it takes them five years to make it, in their spare time. There's no reason why you shouldn't have that kind of sign, 
And if you walk the walk yourself, people want to buy into that success. And how do they do it? Is they buy your work. So, you know, I, and then promote on the internet. I think it's easier than it ever used to be. You know, before people could only find me in the phone book or if they happen to drive by a sign. Now they yeah. type in creative sign and chances are mine will pop up or dimensional sign, no matter where you ah. are. So it's, again, yeah. it, with, the, it, with the internet, it's become easier to share your work, certainly. I, I believe so. I mean, in, in 19, no, 2008, when, the, 2009, the big downturn, mm -hmm. uh, it affected us too. And there was a t many, many weeks I went out to the shop and there was literally no work. So, so what do you do? Uh, build a sample, build your own sign. Uh, and that year I, I committed to doing 12 major samples, which are still hanging on my wall. Yeah, with the intent of, of when, when things improve, I'll have the samples to sell work. Because how do I describe what I do? Like, it's impossible to describe what I do. <laughs> yeah. I got to show people. Yeah, yeah exactly. I got to show people what I do. So those samples, I mean, I sent them into, into competitions. I sent them to Signcraft. You probably read articles on them. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, a lot of the work that is featured in the magazines uh, is stuff that we've done as samples. Um, yeah, or, or even just the pieces that you were doing on your own home on, like, your CNC router were, like, mind-blowing for me. Yeah, again, I our sign shop is in our backyard. I, I've always worked from home. That's a, a conscious choice I made before our kids even came along. And and uh, it's been a great choice. So I'm, I'm in a residential area. I have residential zoning. How do, and, and so the, the city says I can only put a very small sign up front. But mm -hmm. it doesn't, the city didn't tell me what kind of house they can build. So, I mean, people screech to a stop in front of my house. <laughs> and, and they're out there taking pictures. And then they see my little sign. And you see them whip out their phone and, and Google them my name. And boom, they know what I, they know who I am. They know what I do. They know where I've done my work. How tremendous is that? That's like that's the definition in my book of living outside the box. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean, if I could say, if I could put a title, I mean, I, you probably have a different one. But if when it when 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 the good Lord above calls your name, I would put on your tombstone that quote: "Living outside the box was mm -hmm. a lifestyle." To me, it's, to me, it's that's easy. exactly that's exactly what I've learned from you over the years is how to look at things differently. Exactly. Uh, not ne not necessarily in two D. Not necessarily even even three D nowadays. Like we're we're looking at things differently uh, each and every day. But you had this vision so beyond the typical sign shop owner. I don't even. I would. I would. I would probably go as far as to say you're not even a sign shop anymore. Uh, you, I, I mean, don't think I you ever have I, been. I still consider myself a sign shop, but not an ordinary sign. And and it, I mean, it's interesting. I I don't believe I can sell my work either, in terms of if if I I don't do cold calls. I've tried in the past; they don't work for me, because I can't sell you something unless you want it. And most people they they're thinking of an ordinary sign for a certain amount of dollars, where I showcase my work. And people drive up my driveway regularly. I, in fact, on weekends, I have to keep my gates closed or my yard is full <laughs> oh my of people. <laughs> um, and, and if 100 people drive up my driveway, 90 of them will go away with nothing. I'll send them away. They'll, they'll look and they'll look and it's like, oh, that's kind of out there. Or it's, you know, and they know it's not Walmart. It's not going to be cheap. Everything is custom, you know, mm -hmm. and everything is obviously expensive. So 90% will price themselves off my yard immediately. And and then 10, 10 of those people will I'll, I'll talk to in depth. You maybe give them a little tour of the shop, my studio. Four of those will go to design. One will build. Wow. One will build. And, and we actually uh, qualify our customers with five questions. Everyone who gets to that, into that small, 10 or 4%, we actually have a test for them. They're, they don't know they're being tested, but I'm interviewing. <laughs> Sit down in my studio I, and let's have a chat. It's the same way I test employees. They don't know they're having, running a test, but every, every, everything's a test. And so 
in my mind, I'm asking five questions. And I'll interview the the, the customer or prospective customer, preferably my son and I do it together. And then uh, we send them away and say, we'll call you in a few days and let you know if you're a customer. Wow. I, I love that you guys are like totally wow. flipping this script on yeah. people. And, and the five questions are, and the customer doesn't know what the questions are. This is questions we ask in, inside the studio. Wait, this, are they the same five questions? Yes, they are. Would five you like questions. to share them with us here today? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. First question is, will it be fun? Will it make will me it laugh? Will it be fun? Will it be fun? Life is too short to not have fun. So the job Wait, has is to that be... two questions? Will it be fun and will it make you laugh? Is that the no, second question? No, same or... question. Same question. Same question. Okay. Okay. It, is it going to be fun for us and our staff? You know, are we going to love this job? Next question is, do we have creative control? If the customer is going to tell me how to do the job, they're not my customer. It doesn't mean I ignore my customer. It means that I have creative control. You've come to me as an expert. Please trust me. If you don't trust me, you're not my customer. Go away. So if, if you bring me nephew art and you insist on your nephew art, thank you so much for coming in. I'll see you around. <laughs> and you have to be that brutal. Because if you put out a piece of crap, you're, that's what you're known for immediately. Let's see. Yeah, you don't want to slap your name on it. Yeah. Third question, do we have time? I mean, right now we're booked into 2024 and pushing into 2025. So if you're wow. not willing, if you come to me as a customer and you need a sign next week, thank you so much for coming in, but you're not my customer. Please come when you have more time. And I have more time. Because I'm not going to, I don't work overtime in my shop. And neither do my staff. So uh, you're Time crunch is not my problem. That's your problem. You know, go get a temporary sign, pay a deposit, and get on my list. Because that's the only way to get on my list is is a sizable deposit. Nice. And you guys are booking into 2025 already. Yeah. We're not Amazing. full in 2024, but some projects are already going into 2025, and we're designing into 2026. Wow. Amazing. All right. So what's the next fourth, question? Fourth question, is the project good for us? Will it raise our bar? Hmm. Will it improve our reputation? Because we know it's good for the customer. It's going to bring him a ton of business. He'll make hopefully a ton of money based on the sign we do for him. But is the project good for us? Does it take us in a direction we want to go? And, and do you physically ask them that question? or nope. you like you no, just these are questions you, okay. based okay. on our interview. I, internally. I'll beat around okay. that, but internally, okay. Pete, this you. is questions Pete and I ask each other. Gotcha. And the okay. last question we ask is, is there enough money? Because we know we're going to change things as the sign goes through. We know that we're going to make mistakes or things are going to go wrong or it's going to take longer than we think. It always does, especially in a complex project. So that has to be built in from the start because it quotes a quote and we never increase our price. Wow. Okay. So I have, I have two follow-up questions to that. The first one is ever since you put that policy in place, those five questions, have you ever, the first question is, have you ever deviated from those answers? Yes. And we regret Meaning, it every single time. <laughs> yes. And you've regretted it every single time. Okay. So as a follow-up to that, I would like to hear about, why that has bothered you like what was it is it the interaction with the customer did it not meet those it qualifications it, either i didn't make money or because i wanted the job too bad and i bid it too low or it won't satisfy me and i knew i could have done better and that drives me nuts and you thought you could have did better and that drives you nuts was it it was it just like a a lowlier project or was it just like the the clients kind of demands yeah i mean i do a lot of the sales or first initiation and mm -hmm. we we ask these questions and then we'll do a run at the design or i do a run at the design with peter looking over my shoulder or my daughter beck looking over my shoulder and they go oh that's cute dad but what if we did this and it becomes that much crazier and then the question we ask ourselves is, are we willing to risk the job to do that kind of work? And if the answer is yes, then we don't even pitch the lesser design. We only pitch the cool one. Gotcha. Because most times we go into a job, there is no budget. 
if a customer's mm-hmm. concerned about money, there's not enough money. He's better off to go get a plane signed somewhere. Okay, so this is my second question. You mentioned your son. I would assume your son is a partner in this business with you? He's he's the, the majority owner now. He's the majority owner now. Wow, good for him. Yeah. Okay. We're going to have to yeah, have I, him I think on here well, soon. He's, he's sitting right beside <laughs> him here. Yeah, he's I, own half, right a, I own half a percent. You own a half a percent in the business? Yeah. Why only a half? Okay, I have so many you, questions, but let me I'm ask six, you my... I'm, I'm 69 years old. I don't need to own it. Ah, uh, gotcha. And, and besides, he's better than I am <laughs> at everything. I, I mean, I, I trained that. him. I mean, how often do you get to train your boss when you're little? And if he, if he if he's not good, it's my fault. I screwed up. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that's a, that's the ultimate time, ownership mentality right there. <laughs> has there ever been a time where you and Pete saw a project differently and had a difference of opinion? Every single time. I mean, how do you come to a resolution? Uh, he's the owner. I can defer to him. Okay. So it's just the it's amount of equity. Your, like there, there's no creative... I, there, Oh, and I mean, we argue, and, and and sometimes I say, look, at the customer won't, you know, like we just did a, a design for a mini golf uh, that was the owner wanted a logging theme, and Peter pitched robot dinosaur logging theme, which was very cool, and so uh, I I pitched, I said, I don't, the customer's not going to go there, I don't, I don't think so, but I did the drawing anyhow. We did a concept drawing. Uh, for both versions, and the owner sadly didn't take it, which happens. I mean, I've got books full of designs that have not yet sold. And the keyword is not yet, because we can repitch it. Just in a different application, different type of idea. Yeah, there'll be a customer that that is braver. So, you what do you call that? You call that your your secret stash? Yeah, we got we got. There's a lot of secret stash. The walls are full of those secret stash. The dream stash, the yeah. imagination station. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'll never get to build all the crazy ideas in our, in my head, and and no, nor will Peter. But but we build a lot I, of them. Yeah, you guys have gotten your fair share. I will say that it's amazing. Hey, like, hey, so, hey, do you do the concept drawings before they do a deposit, or like, hey? We think this could be a fit, and like, hey, you gotta uh, put it down on the deposit before we even do the. No, drawings. we'll do a teaser, but but I explained to the customer that that an idea like design work needs to be paid for before I do it, because I once I show you something, I can't take it back. And then that being said, I'll do you a teaser with the understanding that you don't own this drawing; it's mine. If you want it, you have to pay for it. Gotcha. And then. One drawing, I mean, most times our design contracts are in the tens of thousands of dollars. So they'll get one free low-res drawing, and then and then once they pay for design, they'll get their 15 or 20 that's part of the package. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's such a totally different process than like the average sign shop which is why i was so excited for this conversation because it, like you you take the mm-hmm. the average model and like totally flip it on its head yeah i mean of, if if you come to me and say i want a house number for my house sorry we just you know it's a small job for us is you know just like 10 grand so if you want to pay 10 grand for a house number that's fine but nobody does because that's silly but we'll, if you want us to design your house and do all the fancy, crazy, you know, and a house number is part of it, and it's a package that's, you know, 50000 let's stop. It's cool. And and the house number won't come in at 10000 It'll come in at, you know, 1000 bucks as part of a bigger package. Yeah. So, like, what type of projects are you guys doing most now? Is it still like theme parks and, and like theme tourism stuff? Are, or? Are, yeah, theme parks uh, are a big part of it. And um, I, I was a keynote speaker at a theme park convention five years ago. And in the, and this was in Florida. There was, I don't know, there was 40,000 people at convention. It was big. And in the audience was a farmer. And he said, come to my farm. And I went, okay, cool come to your farm, you know, here's my fee. And he said, fine, we need, you need to book three days plus travel time. So it was five days. 
in Nebraska. Turns out this farm has seized uh, upwards of their going to hit half a million guests pretty quick in six weeks on an annual basis. And now we we do a semi-load of signs for them every year. Oh, wow. And that farm is, the farm business is a cool business and they share. I just spoke at another conference, a farm, tourism farm conference in the spring. And we now have, I think, 15 farms that we're doing design work for. Wow. And is and, it just like a... It, like they like a tourism farm like people yeah, come in farm. to pumpkin farms to, you know oh oh gotcha oh okay gotcha okay makes sense and the yeah, apple like, cideries and all that kind of stuff so. uh gotcha yeah okay like corn mazes and yeah. pumpkin patches yeah. and okay makes i mean sense. that's a business i didn't know existed five years ago yeah yeah those are increasingly popular in in my area in the backwoods of west virginia so i can imagine yeah. like, like it, outside of a major market it would be a very sizable business. Yeah. So, and then the theme um, park industry and then tourism industry is big for us too. You know, resorts and things. So, yeah. When you weren't quite as well known as you are now, like, did it, like, what was different? I guess, like, did you have these questions initially, or this is like the model that you've like crafted over the lifetime mm -hmm. in the industry? When I started doing workshops, I put those, you know, articulated those questions. We, we've always done that, but not in a formal sense or, or what are the questions, um, you know, but we've always had that sort of that test. Yeah, I mean, it's, it goes back to when I did murals. How, you know, how do you become famous for murals? Is I was asked to do murals in a small town on Vancouver Island in British Columbia here. Uh, and so we went there, painted a mural. And a, again, a light went on. It's a matter of looking and seeing what's available in terms of opportunity. And, and I said, people are going to come to this town because of the murals. It's a good town to do art. And so a year later, we moved there. And, you know, the tourism went from zero to 400,000 people every year and very, very quickly. And the first question they had, because there was like 30 murals through town, which I did seven, is who did the murals and can I talk to them? Because people from West Virginia want to come, you know, drop in and and uh, say, hey, this would go good in my town. So who do we talk to? And they would end up on my doorstep. And, and I would take the time to give them a tour of the town. And they went, hey, would you want to come to our town and, and sell this idea? And it's sure. So two weeks later, I'd be on a plane to West Virginia and, and, uh, I'd talk to their Rotary Club and they'd host a thing and I'd say, hey, let me do up some artwork for you. Uh, and then if you do a limited print of this, you can sell them and pay for the mural. And, and so a month later, they'd have mm. limited print and, and I'd be in their town doing the first historical mural in their town. And that would turn into three or four murals because they know who I am. And then, Amazing. So now I'm I'm known in West Virginia. People go there and say, "Who did that?" Well, there's a guy in British Columbia. So I mean, it, you know, in ten years, I did 125 murals. It's just it exploded. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, see, I mean, that makes so much sense because you like you're helping them almost like finance in a way. Like, hey, Absolutely. here's the artwork. Go. Here's what to do. Like, here's my I mean, fee. I'm not going to discount it. I, I'm worth this is going to bring 10 times that to you guys in tourism. Here's, here's a way to pay for this yep. without you guys being out of pocket for it. I mean, to be successful is not hard. You just got to wear out lots of running shoots <laughs> and, and run like crazy. You know, it's, it's, it, I mean, I did it. It did it in fine art. I did it in murals. We now we're doing it in theme park signs and, and dimensional signage. You know, and and we're doing it in the Hazelnut Inn. That's my son's project next door. It, it's, you know, it, it's it could be done in anything. You just got to do it better than anybody else and and put in the time. Uh, what's the what's the Hazelnut Inn? Like a bed and breakfast? On steroids. On steroids. <laughs> I mean, it started. Uh, my son and his wife when they got married eight years ago or nine years ago or something. They they wanted to stay in a castle. So they had to go to Europe. On the plane home, they went, we can build a castle. What? <laughs> so, so, 
So a year later, they went down to Hobbiton That's in New good. Zealand. And Hobbiton is a movie set. There's nothing there. But everybody wants to stay in a Hobbit. Yeah, yeah. So we can build a Hobbit home. We call it the Underhill. And, and then there's a third suite. So, okay, well, now let's build this thing. And it's being built. Uh, we get frustrated by customers that will go 70, 80% of the way, which is still a long ways. And so every few years, we take on a project, AE, our house. I built a mini golf back in 2000. And now we're building the inn, which we call our stupid project, is there is no budget. There's no limit to creativity. It's going to be off the wall. And so if you if you go to hazelnutin.com and you look at this thing, we've been, imagine Hazel. our utmost creativity for five years, and it's not finished yet because we squeeze it in between our other jobs. There's 4,000 people signed up ready to book a room. And wow. we don't know when it's going to open. We don't know how much it's going to cost yet, but it won't be cheap. And it, you don't need to be. And what does that project do is that that has already been featured magazine that's already won awards. It's already, and it's not finished. So it raises our bar exponentially. Right. Yeah. And it's your own project. It's a showcase. Well. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I've seen up to five and it's right next door to our house. So when people stop, they just go Google and, and stupid in front of our place and, <laughs> and take all these pictures and they post them to their Facebook page. And what are they doing? They're advertising us. Uh. Do you take pictures of them with their jaws just wide open? Yeah. <laughs> uh, to me, that would be interesting. Just to come out and see like a line of cars in your driveway, people with their mouths hanging up and taking pictures of of all that. That's, yeah, I mean, and we're in a, we're in a dinky little town. We're, you, you know, we're only thirty five hundred people live in this town. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, and that was that was one of the talking points that we had, right? So, how much? Does location matter for your success? Location is absolutely critical and not at all necessary. Now, we are on a, a road that goes up to a lake that sees a million visitors a year. So that's intentional. But at the same token, I don't necessarily sell signs to those people. But um, they know the people I sell signs to. So, so I mean, people say, oh, I live in West Virginia. I could never sell your kind of work. Uh, silly you. Yes, you could. Uh, number one is build a web page that showcases what you can do. It can be samples. It can be drawings. Uh, it doesn't have to be 100 pages. It's only five of your best ones. And that's what you become known for. Because nowadays, is I mean, if you go out for dinner, you Google it, right? Where do you want to go? Yep. I don't know. And you type in something and, and it pops up. So you just got to be so good that it comes up. I mean, it's I do a blog every single day, and it, I, I view that as a very critical part of our advertising. We get 20,000 hits a month. Now, wow. I'm only looking for one customer. I'm only looking for one. I didn't, so, uh, yeah. so your odds go up. Certainly. And then you can ask your five questions and pair that 20,000 people down to the job you want. How many contact you in, in like the the course of a week? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, no, but I mean, it's and and we don't chase. I mean, I was just at a conference, and and you know, a customer comes up to me and, oh, can you can you? Here's my card. Can you follow up? I said no, I won't follow up. Here's my card. If you're interested, call me. Because I nice. only have so much time. I don't uh. chase work. You can't push. Peter says he says you can't push a rope. They have to beg me to do work. And they have to answer five yeses without knowing that. Yeah. I, it's like, do you have it's like, have you it's like developed like this radar for, for like kicking out people that are going to waste your time in the process? Well, everybody talks big. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like, it would, especially with like the work that you do, I can imagine there would be a lot of people that are like, Hey, we want to do this and we want to do that. And we think you could do it really well. And then, you know, like, yeah, mm. I mean, I was at a farm last week. And and I met those people at the conference, and it's called okay, uh, for me to come visit is going to be it's for three days is going to be five thousand dollars plus expenses, and then for, and then the drawings are basically a thousand bucks a sheet for for a concept drawing, you know, a concept drawing looks like that. Right. 
So that's a thousand bucks. And I can do three of those in a day, which customer doesn't need to know. But it's it, you know, and it, and the design package has to be paid for in advance. So so I got a check from this customer for twenty thousand dollars. So that wow. weeds out all the people who are the wannabes in a hurry. You know, you gotta want me. You gotta bit have a vision. You gotta, you know, trust me. And you, yeah, you, you gotta like buy into the process wholeheartedly. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it's just not a good fit. Yeah. And then you know that customer, and they get to talk and say, "I'm not trying to sell you anything, but understand if you want me or if you want a piece for next year, you have to book by January, or you're not going to get it." And I might be sold up by January. I don't know. That's next year. Yeah. So what is like the, what's like the average scope of a product? Like, where do you guys usually come in on like, if, if we take like a mini golf. A mini golf would come or, in at a million bucks of which our budget is at least half. I mean, we just did one. It came in at 900. Yeah. But it, are they approaching you at like the, the very formation of it like hey we know we're yes. going to do a mini golf it's going to no, be we, north okay, of myrtle trust, beach yeah 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 no you have to trust me is i don't want to do a jungle mini golf i don't want to do a pirate mini golf i don't want to all the common ones mm -hmm. go away not interested you gotta, you gotta be but, out there and creative but from the very inception like they're coming to you and saying hey we want to do a mini golf we want you to do it it's going to well, be here seen, yeah they've seen my work they not again i'm not walmart if you're trying to save money uh, don't do the job or hire someone else. Um, you're not going to save money with me. I'm going to deliver good value, but uh, I'm not a bargain in terms of price alone. If, if price is your concern, I'm not your guy. Yeah, I, I just trying to understand like the scope of of everything that you guys do. Like what's involved in a project for you guys? Typically, so okay. Typically, there's a preliminary design first, where I showed it at one drawing. Yeah, like the concept. If if people are under it or on it, it needs engineering, which it's going to add. Uh, we just it can add significantly to the price, which we get. You know, I do the design, hand it to my engineer, my engineer stamps it and brings it back, and that's required for building permits and stuff typically. And right. then uh, and then it goes into this studio for fabrication. We've got a very talented team. And we've got a structural welder. We've got, you know, uh, there's uh, four of us weld. Um, and then, and a lot of it is pure grunt work. It's hard work. You're tying lath. You're bending steel. You're, you're troweling cement. You're carving it. And then, and then the paint. So. Yeah. I, I can just imagine, like, start to finish, like, how many hours do you guys invest in, like, a mini golf? Well, typically, if we got 12 months of the year, we're going to do one, possibly two um, uh, major projects. Okay. And, and then a few minor ones where, you know, a farm wants two signs or one entrance or something. And we can do, you know, three or four of those. So, and that'll fill a year. Yeah. I mean, our projects, I mean, signed... Uh, Signs of Time just asked me for some articles or some uh, pieces for the contest this year. And he said, I don't have anything to give you this year because our projects started before last year's contest started and we haven't finished them yet. They're not installed. Right. I, and it, it's just like it, it, the stuff that you guys do is such so immersive. You know? Yeah. And that's I, I think that's why Pete was like. You guys are not even a sign shop. Like you, you guys build like, experiences. Mostly. Well, what's the like how I would yeah, a it's sign true. is a sign is you know most people define a sign as a flat board with, with letters on it. Mm -hmm. That's not a sign. That I don't know what that is. A, a sign to me is anything that draws attention to my customer's product, service, or business. That can include the building, the landscaping, the features. The, you know why can't it be a a thirty foot dinosaur? Why you know or a robot that's thirty feet high? Or you know, I mean. I mean, we just did that project for South Dakota, the, the the big robot. And and I said, okay, what is your objective here? And he says, well, we have a busy road by our place. I want to stop traffic. He said, okay, uh, that's you know that's not a cheap project, but but yes, I can do it. You know, and we have we have a standard in our shop. 
and the standard is this is and it's too easy now because everybody carries a camera on their phone but back in the 80s it was the same standard then it's called if someone isn't taking a picture or the newspaper isn't out front before i finished installing i have failed miserably and i never fail that's a high standard i i <laughs> That's all I can I tell you, do. like I, I yeah, I, I've, I've only hit that standard a couple times with the signs yeah, that well, I've done. Why not every project? Yeah, agreed. I mean, imagine how I, fun that. Imagine how fun that is. And that's a that's a conversation I've had with Mike, and I, that's why I hate that he's not on this one. Of like, that's why he got into the sign industry, like it, to have fun and and make these like creative signs. And for I, I feel like that's why a lot of people get into the industry. Of course and then they do. It, that's, that's it, what... it, it just goes south somewhere or like we just fall into a rut. Um, Money. You know, do you have it? Yeah, it could be. Do you have any advice for for somebody like that? Of like, hey, like I used to have this desire to do these super creative signs. And now I'm like, I'm, I'm in this rut of like, hey, we're we're not doing that work that I wanted to be doing. Yeah. First, 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 my advice is: What does your sign look like? Is it the best sign in town? Will it win an award? Uh, if it if it isn't, shame on you. Time to time to start your 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 new project and and build your business. Because I mean, I've had hundreds. That's of people, a good point. I've had hundreds of people take my workshop, and mm -hmm. most of them. Or many of them are people who are exactly you described. They, they, they. This is what they want to do, but business has dragged them way off this horrible path. And and why is because, uh, well, you buy a new piece of equipment and the payments are fifteen hundred a month, so you got to make that payment. You know. And my, yeah, I mean, I I understand all that stuff, but it but it's different. You got to think differently. I mean, when we bought our CNC router, I actually won a competition. I went down to a sign show. It was either Florida or LA. I can't remember. Big uh, ASA show, ISA. And um, getting the prize was anticlimactic because it's called, here you go. And that was it. It was just, okay. I mean, a, a <laughs> first place in Signs at a Times magazine doesn't buy you a cup of coffee. <laughs> right. And it doesn't make you a better person. So you got to get over that, but it is important because number one, it, it I mean, when I we're going to go around the circle a little bit here. Uh, That's fine. In 1981, I picked up a sign magazine, and it was Signs of the Times annual competition issue. I still got it on my shelf. It's dog-eared, and I said someday I will be good enough to be there. That was a promise to myself. I never worked up the courage to enter for, I don't know, 15 years. I should have, but I didn't. So my advice to people is do one sign this year that is good enough to enter a competition as a sample. And then enter it. And if you win, cool. If you don't, well, now you know where the standard is. You've got to do better next year. But then, then hang that sample on your wall. And that becomes a sales tool. Next year, do a better sample. And next year, do a better sample. And it's to be, if you want to do what I do, it's a between a three and five year journey to do it full time. If if you're, you know, and then raise your prices by twenty percent overall, everything, and scare mm -hmm. all your bad customers away. Uh, that's just good advice. <laughs> And then that 20% you scare away will give you time to work more samples. And you're on your way to becoming what I am. Simple as that. Yeah. Simple Perfect. as that. Walk the walk. Be the be that guy. I mean, if you, if you raise your prices, I, I, I talked to a guy in Alaska, and he took my workshop eventually. I went and visited him because I was bidding a cruise ship at that time. He went to shop, and he's, he's in Alaska in a town. There's no road into this town. You can only go there by boat or plane. So he's the only sign shop in town. And I said, tell me what's wrong with your business. And he goes, I'm working endless hours. Uh, he says, I'm not doing enough creative work. Uh, and I'm not making money. It's simple. Raise your prices 
And he goes, I'll lose 20% of my business. I said, yes, you will. Absolutely. Because it'll be cheap. It'll be expensive enough that people can go to another town and ship their sign in and replace you. Okay. But those 20%, you don't care about anyhow. They're not creative work. Because if you're doing creative work, you're the guy they got to go to. And I said, if you raise your price 20%, you're now making 30% more than you were before because there's no cost attached to that. That's pure profit. Right. So now you have, and you're not working overtime anymore. So, you know, and then set a project. When I do my samples, I set it just outside my studio door as I go into my workshop. And everybody in the world I know wastes 10 minutes a day. And that's a very, very conservative estimate. You know, don't don't watch a CAD video and go work on your sample for five minutes every day. Yeah. So you, and you, in you a month, you you'll put have, it front and center. Yep. Like where you and, can't miss it. And when you, you get a in. real crap job that sucks your soul, reward yourself with half an hour on your project. I love this, man. Like it's yeah. just like no BS. Like hey, like just do it. I no, and, it. and anything less than that is just an excuse. I you, you don't want to yeah. do it. I mean, I mean, right, if right. twenty people took my workshop, everybody was going, oh yeah, it's, yes, this is cool. But half of them will never do anything I say. The other half will yeah. do it for a week, and then they'll fall off the wayside. And and you get down to two will actually listen to me, and in two years, I guarantee you they're doing better work. Way better. Uh, do you uh, do you stay in touch with the people? Uh, like, are you are you still doing your workshops or, or I've like quit you, you I've quit now because okay. of gotcha. It, it's that was my passion. It's not my boss's passion. I uh, gotcha. Okay, but uh, do you stay in touch with a lot of the the sign makers that it? Have yeah, I bump into them at shows and stuff, or they send me pictures. I mean, it's very gratifying to see someone send you a picture and say, "Hey, hey, look what I'm doing now." And it, I mean, I help change the industry. In a small way, it's, I would say cool. not in a small way. Well, I mean, I yeah, but I've influenced <laughs> people. I hopefully have influenced yeah. people. I mean, I love poking people. You know, I mean, if I met you at a show and you were saying, "Oh, I'd like to," I'd say, "That's an excuse." I'll poke you right between the eyes and say, "Smarten up! Don't give me crap." You know, I don't have time. Hey, you think I'm not busy? You know, how is my life different? You know, people say, oh, you're, you're lucky you're born under a shining sun. Uh, hey, I just had a heart, uh, not heart issues. I just had an open heart surgery. My life is no different. You know, people die around me. They're, my life is busy. I Business goes south occasion. I make horrible mistakes that cost me thousands of dollars. I mean, my life is no different than anybody else's. I'm still a very lucky guy because I've got family supporting me and I've got, you know, got the most awesome boss in the world. And life is good. I mean, I'm 69 years old. I've been in this business 55 years. I have no intention of retiring uh, because if I retire, what am I going to do? I'm going to come out in the shop and have fun. Well, I started doing that full time at age 23. So I guess that's when I retired. It's all in the mindset. I love that. Yeah, before we close this out, can we? do you mind if we touch on like the family business thing just sure. a, a little bit? So when did your your son like take over as majority owner? Just curious. Uh, that would be six, seven years ago. Okay. And it, it, it required a huge mindset change on my, my part. Right down to, I mean, just check your ego, dude. You're not in charge anymore. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's it, what I'm what, most curious about is like well, the, what, the transition. What happened, what happened if Peter worked with me for 14 years? And then he went away for 14 years. He said, I need to be I need to be Peter for a while, not Dan's son. I'm like, cool. And he became an animator. He got his teaching degree in mathematics. I mean, he's a smart guy. And then he came back to help us build our house uh, 10 years ago. And I said, I want to make, and he, he taught for six months and it wasn't what he thought. So I said, I want to make a deal you can't refuse. Is if you want to come back, I'll bonus you enough money that you can buy the business because I don't need money. So we, it was a five-year plan, or that's mm -hmm. what we talked about. So then we went to see the accountant, and he said, uh, explain to me what happens if Peter comes back. And I said, well, the business will go from doing 350 to over a million a year instantly like that. And he said, 
you tell me you're not in it for the money. If that's the case, don't make a deal in five years because you'll pay too much tax and Peter will pay too much for the business. Do it today because this was two weeks before the end of the year. Ah, uh, gotcha. So we wrote up an agreement in the next two weeks. And when January 1st came along, I was no longer a majority owner of the business. I owned half a percent. Wow. The next Saturday, I was in town on a driving the town doing some errands and I went I just stole the truck <laughs> I didn't ask Peter if I could drive it I, 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 and it was like in my head it's like you're not in charge anymore you can't do this so I told my wife and she said because uh, I hadn't owned a vehicle personally in, in 30 years well, right. and she Shop said do you, do you want a vehicle and I went yeah, I think I'd like a vehicle. And she says, what do you want? And I said, I want a yellow Jeep. Because I had one when I was a kid. And she says, why a yellow Jeep? And I said, well, so I can take the top off and I can feel the wind in my hair. And she says, uh, you better hurry. <laughs> so I drive a yellow Jeep. There you go. So I, was there like <clears throat> was Peter always interested in oh, like, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, running the business? Yeah, like he's not in love with running the business as much as I was running a business, but the dude is talented, and he's he humbly says, "Well, I'm standing on your shoulders. That's why." He says, "You know, everything I do, I learn from you," and now, but and so he's taken it to the next level. And, and would he, you? Would you like a, a, yeah? Would you attribute that to like the like the the first question, like your first principle, like hey, is this going to be fun, or uh, is yes, it is it like part of it. something else? Because I I talk to a lot of owners that are in this similar position where like hey, I, I I'm getting ready to retire, I'm retirement age, and like I I want to hand this down, I would love to hand it down to family, but family may not be interested or. Yeah, yeah, and and, and 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 it's important that you don't hand it to someone that doesn't want it. Like Peter has to be Peter, but Peter is better at the business than I am. I mean, much better, and and much better businessman. I mean, we were doing a job in Trinidad or bidding a job in Trinidad just when he came on, and and this was like fourteen con shipping container, forty foot shipping containers full of signs oh, and wow. features. And and he says, do you mind if I review the bid? And I said, no, please do. And he said, are you happy with the prices? I said, yeah, no, I'm happy with the prices. So he goes through and he comes to me and he says, uh, there's nothing in here for the skids. How are you getting me in the container? Why, well, so we just take our tractor and push them in? No, no, he says, the way we ship is we build our features on a pallet, custom-made steel pallet that barely fits in the container and it slides in. We still do that way. Sure. He says... How much does it cost to build one of those pallets? And I went, well, I don't know. It's part of the feature. And he, he says, no. How much does it cost? And it, the number we came up with once we started doing some math, because Peter is a mathematician, for eight feet of pallet cost $500. Wow. Yeah. So is it not insignificant? No. And, and he said... Plus, you have to, how long does it take? And I said, well, you just push it in. No, he says, you got you got a guy guiding it, another guy pushing it, and you've got, you know, we handle it in our shop. We've got to take the wheels off, you, you know. And so we put a number to it. And then he came up with a price of per foot. And it got to be, when we did the math, it was $90,000. To do all That the I hadn't put in the wow. bed. Wow. And then he says, okay, what about, in Trinidad, you got to get those things back out. And I said, well, they're flying in Trinidad, and I'm there. Yeah, but he says, you know, when you're there, it's called, what color do we paint this? How do we do this? Where's the landscaping? He says, you're running around doing all that stuff. He says, we're going to double that bid for getting the stuff out of the container, too. Okay. So it was $180,000 that I had left on the table. The customer never blinked. Right. That's Peter. He's a smart guy. So he he when we go through our bids, we have the formula because you know people say, how do you cost your stuff? It's like it it boils down to 
what what is your shop rate, which is a very very important number, mm-hmm. and then how long it's going to take, and then put a buffer in there, and then mark up your materials and you know all that usual. You know I've done articles and stuff in SunCraft, so it all has to be factored in, and so you know, and it boils down to, and most sign shop owners forget about this is. Number one is, what do you think you're worth? How much do you want to make in a year as owner? So you put that number. Now, that number is sacred because anything that cuts into that number comes out of your pocket. So if you have to buy a new computer next year, the company has got to have enough money to buy that computer or it comes out of your pocket. Yeah. If you need a new car, or new software, or new blah, 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 that all that then all and then what it, your employees too because everyone else gets paid before you do so you know those are all important you know as you calculate your shop rate and what is stuff worth and, you know all that stuff it's so good to hear you say that like that's like the method that we practice and teach and it's not different than than any like it shouldn't be any different for anybody else out there which is no. nice like, yeah and, and like yet, e- you know, even at the the level of the game that you're at like yeah because typical you still price it software if, doesn't work with us it's it's but we have a we have a spreadsheet that we go through and then there's a fudge factor into that saying you know you know again it goes back to your five questions because you know stuff is always going to go wrong it's always going to you know what happens if we make it two feet taller because it needs to be does the customer have mm-hmm. to pay for that? Uh, mm-hmm. The answer is yes, but up front, not after the fact. I want to hear more about the the inner workings of what you and Pete have there. You know, you just mentioned that you a typical sign shop software doesn't work for your shop, that you're using a spreadsheet of some sort. Talk to me about some of the, the tech stack that you use to make the Imagination Station work, that your dream team work. Tell me about it. Well, number one is we we try and pay our help better than the industry by far because they're there, they're that creative and they're valuable. A lot of people say, "Oh, staff is nothing but a cost." Staff is your most valuable asset. You know? I mean, I get to sign the jobs and I get all the credit, but I don't do the work. You know, there's pieces that I don't even touch that come into our shop that have my signature on them. So, so number one is is the value of those guys is incredible. Secondly, is is uh, have the best equipment. You know, mm-hmm. a shop router is cool, but a multicam will do it better and faster. But you got to price accordingly. And technology has screwed up the industry too. I, one of the examples I mm-hmm. give is is uh, you know, let's say Peter does signs and you carve them by hand, and and, and you Brian, you have a, a shop bot which is a great machine. And, and now I've got a multicam, which does stuff three times as fast. So Peter sells a sign for, for pick a number, for $5,000. And he puts a whole week into that job. You know, you can do the job in half the time because you've got a, a nice little computer to help you. And if you charge the shop, same shop rate, you're selling the sign for $2,500. And my machine is is twice as fast again, so if I sell the same same shop rate, suddenly I'm selling that sign for twelve hundred and fifty bucks. That's what's wrong with the sign industry. It's all driven by like the equipment it's, it's and by they, stupid thinking. Yeah, that says the shop rate is a shop rate is not a shop rate is is, you know, the way I look at it is if it takes me. Uh, I figure my my CNC router can carve a sign five times as fast as I can carve a sign by hand, and I'm fast. So if if I charge two hundred bucks an hour, which is not unreasonable in this time as a shop rate, that sign should be worth a thousand bucks an hour on the machine, which is not unreasonable because it's a hundred thousand dollar machine. Right. And you should be and- charging that kind of money. And the customer yeah. doesn't need to know if I carved it by hand or, or did it on the machine. Right. That's what I was that, that's the Because my machine's that's the in the back. That I want to make, right? Customer doesn't like, do it. And I, I make purposely make my signs on the machine look like they were done by hand. We introduce texture and, and 
do a little bit of handwork after it, hand paint them so that it is a handcrafted sign that I cheated like crazy. But to me, it's having a machine in the back is no different than having employees help me. But it doesn't, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It doesn't make the sign any less valuable to the customer. Not at all. In fact, it should make it better. Right. You know, and, and same thing, like we use a, a 30 pound precision board. And in the industry, especially 10 years ago, that was unheard of. Everyone used 15 pound or 18 pound. Yep. Uh, and people say, well, 30 pound is twice the money. Is Yeah, to buy it. Yeah, I agree. I don't disagree with that. But it adds three times the value. Because, I mean, people say, well, how do you sell to your expensive work? And it's simple. I said, I have a piece of 15 pound in my shop, which I can take and run my fingernail into in front of my customer. I don't tell them my fingernails are as tough as a screwdriver. But I run my finger and make a horrible scratch in it. I, and then I hand my customer a piece of 30 pound little sample and he can't touch it. He says, will you, will you pay a hundred bucks for that? And he went, absolutely. Well, guess what? I just made money and I'm selling a better product and I'm setting myself right. apart from my competition. Yeah. It's, it's never about price at all. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. You know, and in Savvy. these days of hyperinflation, I mean, I had a customer come to me. I bid a job last year. They didn't do it. They came back this year and they say, we're expecting an increase, um, but can you do the job this year? Yes, it's 20% more. And they went, okay. Right. Don't apologize mm -hmm. for anything. Be proud of what yeah. you do. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. If that's the message that everybody takes away from this, 100%. You know, um, as we transition into a close, I... We always ask everybody this, but what's the what's the future for you for Imagination Corporation? Straight up, it's straight. I'm I'm more encouraged than ever. You know, as I go through Signcraft or the competition uh, magazine, the article or uh, issues of the magazines, I think the quality is improving in general. There's still lots of crap out there, but I don't. That's I don't have competition. I'm not worried about them. I, I want to raise the industry. Because the more I raise the industry, the hap the better it is for me. I'm encouraged. Sign materials are better than they've ever been in terms of durability and you know all that stuff. The internet has allowed us to market worldwide. I, I don't. There's no limit. Great answer. Uh, like personally for you, Dan. Like what what do you want to be remembered for? I want to be remembered as as a fun guy who inspired people hopefully i'm remembered for cool work but it won't last forever but and, and i want to be a family guy i want to be the best grandpa in the world uh and i think we're doing pretty good in that regard so <laughs> how many grandkids do you have i have three uh the youngest one will probably be the guy who uh, takes over the business uh -huh. he's he's five years old uh henry we built a little wooden dinosaur uh, a few months ago, and he had fun. We did it in our shop. He cut out with a jigsaw. He, I mean, he's five years old. And we screwed it together. And when we were finished, he looked at me and he said, Grandpa, he says, this is pretty cool, but I think we can do better. <laughs> he said, I said, so what do you want? He says, I want a dinosaur that I can get in and drive. It has to have a motor, uh, you know. And so we built one for the prey on a golf cart. You know, that's the guy that's that, you know, he's going to stand on his dad's shoulders who's standing on my shoulders. Imagine where we're going to do then. I mean, this is a kid who grew up can build a 50 foot dinosaur in his sleep. Wow. Yeah. You that's, <clears throat> that's amazing. So you know, am I excited about the future? Absolutely. Uh, and I won't be able to keep up to those guys. Right. Yeah, how could you? At five, he's like, hey, this is good, Grandpa, but what if we do this? Like, yeah, I, I mean, at, at two, he he would come to me every day. Am I big? I said, oh, yeah, you, you've definitely grown since last night. You know, and we'd measure him, and he'd be all excited. So, so can I learn to weld today? <laughs> uh, not yet, but soon. <laughs> it, uh, that's great. That's great. Like, you know, I didn't learn to weld until I was in that. my 20s. Yeah, and so, he's ready. He's, he's ready, ready now. That's great. Well, Dan, um, man, hey, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming on. This has been um, 
Like when we first started the podcast, I was like, I was making the short list of folks that I wanted to talk to. <laughs> you were definitely right up there at the top. Uh, so I appreciate you coming on. Uh, been keep a big inspiration the, for me. Yeah. Keep interviewing the best of the best. I mean, we're all saying the same thing is reach for the stars. Don't do crap. Uh, you know, Dan Antonelli's is designed like your life depends on it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's amazing how different business models can be, but the, the core values remain the same. Yeah. Dan and I do very different stuff, but Dan has been a hero of mine forever. You know, I, I mean, Shane Dernford, hero forever, you know, Tom McElshot, you know, these guys are all excellence beyond excellence. Okay. Love it. Um, any, anything we can promote for you or, you know, obviously I, just, I think everybody just, in the industry already knows who you guys are. Or yeah, no, know. just, just good promote good stuff, you know, raise the bar, build samples, uh, live, live your dream. You know, if you want to do the good stuff, start building samples today, you know, put five minutes into it. It adds up. Perfect device. Perfect device. Well, um, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. Really enjoyed it. Uh, excited to to launch this one, and and hopefully, you know, sometime in the future we can have you back, uh, and maybe bring Peter on as well. I think that yeah, could be he's, an interesting he's a great, interview as well. He's a much better guy than me. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still sitting beside you? No, he he went. Back oh, and they're they're oh, busy working. Uh, that's even better. He's not sitting yeah. beside you, and you're still singing his praises. No, he's so. he is awesome. He's my he's my ultimate hero. Oh, that's great to hear, Dan. Thank you so much. I uh, appreciate it. My pleasure. So that's the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd like to give one final shout out to our sponsor, GCI Digital Printing, Grand Format Printer to the Trade. GCI is not your average print shop. They pride themselves on providing you a fast stress-free experience when outsourcing. Their no excuses mindset means no matter the job, they'll have it done every time. No other vendor will go to the links that GCI does to ensure you're a satisfied customer. To hear more about their approach to business, hop back into the archives to episode nine, where the guys and I interview owner TJ Bedact about top tier customer experience. If you're looking for a high quality trade printer for banners, mesh, coreplast, and more, TJ Not and his crew or small, GCI does them all. Check them out at printgci.com. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit subscribe to get all the latest episodes and check out our website, bettersignshop.com. Get free resources and helpful tools on growing your shop. Thanks for listening.